Hello, everyone, and welcome back to an episode of Next Best Series here, part of the Next Best Picture podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, time of recording, 8.38 p.m. on Tuesday, February 12th, 2019. Joining me for this podcast, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And between Josh and I, you, my dear listeners, are going to find out who the true detective is because ultimately Josh and I are here to try and figure out what the hell is going on with this show. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to try our best. Well, we did a podcast, Josh, you and I were joined by JC a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the first three episodes of the show. Now we are back to talk about episodes four, five, and six and what has transpired in this I guess what you would call the midsection of the third season of True Detective. And Josh and I were talking about this offline. And I think we have, save for maybe a few interesting moments here and there sprinkled throughout, I think that our worst fears that we talked about in the first episode have kind of come true. And we are really starting to lose interest in this show now. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I would say that nothing in this season so far approaches anything as bad as the second season. We can at least I, I am that. in agreement with you on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> nothing has become quite that <laughs> terrible. But I think ultimately this is a show that is really starting to really dive headfirst into its mystery element. And I feel like in doing so, it is losing a little bit of those great character moments and As the mystery keeps going on, I just find myself getting less invested in that. And it's a shame because then the trade-off is that the characters kind of lose a little bit of that introspection that I found so interesting in the first couple episodes. And now things are kind of feeling a little bit more predictable from a character standpoint, and that's kind of disappointing me a bit. Well, the character moments are, I don't want to say fully gone, I think you have this one really, really, really great scene between Wayne and Roland in the 2015 timeline, 2010, whatever it was. I I, don't, I can't even remember yeah, at this point. It was 2015. I'm, I'm like Wayne. I can't remember anything. <laughs> um, but that scene where they're, you know, we see old Roland for the first time ever, and those two have a really great dialogue scene. I, I that was like a highlight for me of these three episodes. For, like, did did you feel that as well? Well, I think that scene is really well done, and I think it's mostly because of Mahershala Ali, who I think is the one consistent element throughout all of these episodes that I keep finding myself just completely wowed by. And yeah. even when I'm straining to be invested in the show, his performance is top notch in whatever timeline that you're in. I am still not 100% sold on Steven Dorff. I think he has some very good moments in this show, but I think there's also some times when, especially going up against Mahershala, he just really... I, it, to me, it's like it's very obvious which one is the better actor between the two of them. And Oh, yeah, he's definitely more bland in the sense that uh, he's playing like the... The ominous tough guy cop who always talks in serious tones. And I I mean, like, you know, there's just nothing dynamic about that performance, really. No. And I think that he is doing his best to hold his own. 
And there is a kind of rugged charm that Stephen Dorff has that is a little endearing, but I think it gets old after a while for me. And again, when you compare it to just everything that Mahershala Ali is doing, it just seems like one of these performances is operating on a level that really just blows the other one out the water. But I, but I really do like that scene, though, uh, for a couple of different reasons. One, the, the makeup still looks phenomenal on both actors, in my opinion. Um, I like that it's two old men reminiscing, but also coming to grips with who they both are today. And they're alluding a lot to the past and what it is that they did. And we, the audience, still don't really know everything that they're talking about in that scene. Roland wants an apology from Wayne. Wayne tells him that he can't remember uh, part of his life anymore because of how, you know, how old he's getting in his disease. And the two of them just start crying. And I don't know, maybe it's the, maybe it's just the man in me. I was like, you know, oh, these two tough old men crying together. And, <laughs> and it just struck a chord for me, baby. And I would say that you are right that, especially that moment when, he tells him that uh, when the Stephen Dorff character uh, West it tells him that he is like looking for apology and Wade is like, I can't remember what I did. I'm sorry that whatever I did hurt you so much, but I can't remember. That is a very devastating and tragic moment. But again, most of that power comes from what Mahershala Ali is doing in that scene. And Stephen Dorff is a good scene partner, but, the eye is just drawn inherently to Ali in that moment. Speaking of uh, eye being drawn to something, uh, what about that lazy-eyed man scene uh, where they both uh, they, they like they go to you know confront the the suspect and he's like in the trailer and the people outside are, uh, of the trailer are getting like upset that the cops are over there questioning him. They like bash their windshield and stuff and like like these are like moments such as these where. Just when I feel like I'm starting to like lose a bit of interest in the show, the show kind of has these moments of tension that, you know, just from an excitement standpoint, I, I, I start to get like, ooh, what's going to happen? Or, or is there going to be a scene like in season one where you remember like the tensions were high in that town mm-hmm. when they uh, raided the house and everything? Like it re- reminded me of that. And I was like, ooh, are we getting to that point where something like that's going to happen? And then, of course... We do have that scene at uh, Woodard's house at the end of uh, episode four where they start to build up the tension. We kind of have this cheap ass ending where they cut things off right when they are about to storm the house. Yeah, when the door explodes. Yep. And then we get all that full scene in episode uh, five. And that's like one of those scenes where I feel like in the midway point of each season of True Detective so far, they've had their big, quote unquote, set piece shootout scene. You know, in season one, it was that uh, that raid on the house and that with the famous one shot that uh, Fukunaga uh, shot. And then you had season two where... God, I'm going to try to remember this. I think it was just some sort of shootout in the streets. I think so. I can barely remember anything from season two, but I think I remember there being a shootout. Yeah, and it was like episode four or something like that. And now in this season, at the midway point, we we got this scene here at uh, Woodard's house where the guy's just defending his home. <laughs> and it's like bodies are everywhere. People getting shot left and right. Uh, it was... Uh, you know, once again, like even from a standpoint of if I'm not that emotionally invested in the story, at least I'm like, oh, OK, stuff stuff is happening, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I would even say 
that shootout is technically well done, but I don't know, just the way that it is executed felt a little kind of pedestrian to me. It just sort of felt like, yeah, that's the way I would expect a shootout on television to look like. I was actually more impressed with the buildup to that when uh, Woodard mm. is just like walking down the road and then he hears the, the truck coming and he just like takes off his shoes and starts booking it. And to me, all that lead up to the shootout was actually much more effective than the shootout itself. See, I think uh, I, I felt a little robbed at the end of the episode when it you know went right to the credits. And I, I agree with you in the lead up to it. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Like, like, you know, and you said it yourself. He was booking it down the street that that just like emphasized to me oh man this is this is serious like he's he's hustling hard yeah, <laughs> you know it's a, in socks off he's running barefoot on the road like it's about to go down and then it doesn't and we had to wait a week <laughs> yeah and like, i get it it's television you need cliffhangers but it did feel like man that's a very predictable way to end this and kind of a cop out but then you had you know that scene like i alluded to uh i'm sorry i talked about earlier uh with the two uh men in the in the um the older timeline uh have that good scene together and then we have in my opinion what was actually a good cliffhanger uh with the latest episode uh where we follow tom who's doing his own investigation, I guess you could say, into what has been going on this whole season with the conspiracy and the cover-up and who's the one that really murdered his kids and finds himself in uh, in, in the house and uh, Harris is right behind sneaking up on him. And I have to say, that was creepy as hell. Yeah. That gave me the willies. And then to end it like that on black, I was like, ooh, you know that was that was definitely a very fantastic moment, and I suppose that's how uh, Tom meets his uh, d- his demise because we know that he's not alive in the uh, current timeline. Yeah, I would actually say that the way that the episode ends with that cliffhanger is very effective because of the way that it is shot, um, and you really get invested in that moment. I do have a problem with how we got to that moment, and a lot of the later revelations about tom i have big issues with and oh yeah i was not a fan of that and it's really a shame because i love scoot mcnary and i really liked what they were doing with that character for much of this uh much of this season but eventually like when it gets to that point where they do the reveal that he's like a closeted gay man i just felt well there is no evidence of this in the show at all, and it felt like something completely pulled out of thin air that didn't fit this character or his or anything that he was doing on this show. And it just was like really frustrating to be introduced to something that I didn't have any confidence that they would handle in a really meaningful way, and I don't think they did. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our full review of Season 3, Episodes 4 through 6 of HBO's True Detective, here a part of the Next Best Series podcast under the umbrella of nextbestpicture.com. You can subscribe to us on our Patreon channel for $1 minimum a month, and you would get the full-length review here, along with other exclusive podcast content. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate all of your feedback and your support. Thank you once again. As always, we shall see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.